Hello, lovers. Welcome to You Gotta Love It, a show where you tell us and the rest of the world the things that you love that we might have missed, a show where you come to discover the best things you never knew existed, and a show where you can force us to sit through the worst entertainment you can find and say, well, you gotta love it. My name is Koji. I have become a part-time vinyl collector and a full-time money waster. Yeah, Those okay. two kind of go hand <coughs> in hand. Um, yeah. And with me, as always, is my good friend. <laughs> Just drawing it out, trying to think of something good. Well, I was going to, you know, we had a, a bunch of interesting dinner conversation today. I don't do and it. And I wanted to draw from it, but I'm not going to. My good friend. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Loud coffee maker, ugling, yeah. ugly ceiling fan haver, oh, yeah. Andrew Patterson. Those are, as, as we like to call them on You Gotta Love It, some super deep cuts. Yeah. That almost nobody, actually probably nobody, nobody. Will, yeah. <laughs> will understand. Had you not just had a, this, been sitting in on the conversation we just had. Anyway. This week's yeah. episode being done on New Year's Happy Day. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. It's 2017. Mate, we made it. We did it. This is the year of Trump, my friends. But four more years. We're going into it. We're going into it. I think generally people are like, it can't be, you know, it can't be worse than last year in terms of how people are choosing to look at it. You know? Hold on. Can we, can I just get into this before we even talk about what the show is about? Yeah. All this like fuck 2016 shit. Mm -hmm. I hate it. Mm. It's like, you guys, first of all, uh, I just read an article about celebrity deaths mm -hmm. and there's only been like five more this year than there were the previous year. Mm -hmm. There are pretty notable ones this year though. Sure. For most people in sure. pop culture, I would imagine. I totally agree. But like, I don't know. I feel like for myself personally and for a lot of people, if you really think about it, like celebrity deaths aside, because it doesn't really affect your life all that much. Mm -hmm. 2016 has been a pretty good year. For me. And it's not been notably worse than any previous years. Hmm. You know? Like, I, what sort yeah. of major adversities have caused people to storm social media and say, hey, fuck 2016? I think... We started this show. True. There's a lot of personal victories, but I think what's driving most of it, most of the mania, is that in the internet age... In Western civilization, I don't feel like there has been a situation like Trump happen yet. Like you could, you know, there's people that are like, oh, Bush was like, you know, the worst. And like when that was happening, it was horrible. But like the amount of night show fodder and, in, you know, the the virality of right, it right, right. was really like has never been at the fever pitch it is today while something like that was happening in a country like America. Yeah. And I think not only its dominance of like media in general throughout 2016, but just like on top of, you know, people, people maybe were a little bit more plugged in than they usually are to news in right. general because of what was happening leading up to the American election at the end of the year. And so everything else maybe felt a little bit more amplified, but I would agree with you in that, 
if you're looking at 2016 as a shitty year because of bad stuff that happened, uh, you need look no further than basically the rest of the world outside of fucking, you know, the so-called first world or even North America every year when mm-hmm. there's this horrible shit ongoing all the time. Right. And people don't even have the luxury of making goofy internet videos that are like, ah, oh, this year sucked. But, you know, that being said, <clears throat> I did like the... Uh, did you see that video I posted? The Lad Bible, LED Bible video where it was like the trailer for 2016, the movie? Uh, I might have. R- remind me. It's like a horror movie. They just set, made a trailer that's like a very cliche horror movie, but it's just about things that happened in 2016. And then the trailer starts with like like a camera video of like people at New Year's, 20, yeah. like 2016 New Year's yeah. being like, oh, it's going to be the best year ever. And then like the music goes all sinister and like... uh they're like, oh man, like things feel different. Like things feel bad. And then like one of their friends comes to the room and it's like, guys, they shot a gorilla. And then like, it just like keeps getting worse. And at one point the girl is like in the dark looking at her phone and it goes like, and goes dark. And she's just like, her hand is like bleeding and it's like all like red and stuff. And she's just like, ah, and he's like, what happened? She's like, my phone exploded. He's like, what? And she's like, no, it literally exploded. (laughs) (laughs) And and then there's like a, a clip like a stutter, you know, like a flash clip to like yeah. the girls walking through a room and it's like mannequin challenge. Everybody's doing the mannequin challenge. Right, but right. like in that context, it's like, hor- anyway, pretty good. Is, uh, it was like entertaining the how they condensed all of these things into uh, there's a guy like mapping out on the wall, the celebrity deaths. And he's just like, what? what's happening? I mean, Carrie Fisher, though. Yeah. Like there's some big ones. Just Prince, Bowie. Given how how like two titans important music Star and Wars culture has been. In this in his last couple of years, you yeah, know? and also yeah. she was definitely like that was big. That's like a pop cult. Like that's you know, and that was just like one. Well, but it's also like one of those moments where people were just like, you know, all these people had died, and then right before the end of the year, Carrie Fisher has a heart attack, and, and they're then just her like, mom, and then but, but hold on, before before she like because she had a heart attack and she didn't die yeah. immediately. People were like, oh okay, you know like. Yeah. Okay, she had a heart attack, but it's okay. Like fucking 2016, you know, not not this time. And then, you know, right when they let their guard down. Yeah, yeah. And then her mom immediately following, and then on New Year's Eve, I believe, one of the, an actor from Mash, the final celebrity death of 2016. Anyway, yeah, we got really off track there before even saying what we're doing. New Year's Eve, though. Yeah. New Year's Day, 2017. Yeah. We are looking at the hidden gem, the Hudsucker Proxy. Now, some people might be saying that's not a hidden gem, and other people will be saying, I've never fucking heard of this movie. So it probably is a hidden gem. And the You Gotta Love It for the week is New Year's, New Year's Eve. Eve, which is a star studded. It's an ensemble rom com. Yeah. I'm not rom drum. Not a lot of rom or com in this movie, but um, yeah, let's start from the beginning. Let's start from with Hudsucker Proxy. Yeah, I didn't know that this was a thing because, uh, as much as I'm a huge fan of Coen Brothers and I've loved most, if not all, of their movies and own many of their movies and have seen them a ton of times, I didn't know that this movie existed. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Hidden gem for sure. Is this their first film? 
I'm just looking that up now. I believe it is one of their first, if not their first. So, um, yeah, I just, the only reason I know about it is because somebody at work basically said, hey, you should watch this movie. And I was like, what? What is this? I've never heard of it. So, okay, no, it is not. I mean, it, it's it's up there. So they started, they had two short films. And then their first film in which they are uncredited. Oh, no. That's a lie. IMDb just lied to me. Their first film was a movie called Blood Simple. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, Raising Arizona. Oh, Raising Arizona came before this one. Yeah. Okay. Then Miller's Crossing. Wow. Really? This came after both of those movies? Yeah. I'm shocked. How, yeah. How ba- did I not... Barton Fink. Then Hudsucker Proxy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've seen Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, both movies which were suggested to hey, me Well, you've seen Raising Trek. Arizona, I'm sure. Many times. Yeah. But the other two were introduced to me by like that's kind of those three in combination and then probably big lebowski mm-hmm. and i was like okay i'm in it's weird that i just skipped i wonder that's if it wasn't lebowski. received as well maybe or something or didn't i, I don't know. know but then after that it comes fargo big lebowski oh brother wyatt though etc cetera, etc cetera. and and then ending with hail caesar um, did you see hail caesar i did i liked it i liked it as well um this actually kind of reminded me of hail caesar whoa i'd never saw a serious man i did good I and I don't know if in, yeah I enjoyed it, but it's I don't know, man. That one is like very hit and miss with people. I've like my parents did not like it at all. Hmm. To each his own cinema. What? Anyway, we're getting off track here. Hudsucker Proxy, fantastic movie. Yeah, fantastic right. movie. Super stylized to the point where it's like ridiculous. So it's obviously a comment on the. North American work life. Yeah. The corporate complex. But it even, I, I, even before that, you know, so it's like this kid who grows up from a small town, does all the quote unquote right things, you know, is from a small town, goes to university or college, gets his degree and then arrives in New York city on a bus. And he's literally just gets off the bus and stands in front of this thing that says the job board mm-hmm. in which they have various jobs rolling around and he's he's looking around looking around and they all are asking for experience mm-hmm. and he's like well i'm fucked and then uh sees this job in the paper and this is one of the things i loved by the way is when they put down the the person puts down their uh their coffee, coffee cup on the paper and then when they lift it up it's like circled and then he's like oh and gets this job in a mail room and it immediately he gets there and it's just like super hustle and bustle. The person's explaining to him what his job is, but you can tell his head's just spinning. Yeah. And the guy's just like, if you do this, you get docked. Yeah. If you do this, you get docked. If you do th- like not even get just to, and it's like impossible to follow what the guy's telling him to do, but it's just like, if he makes any mistakes, he's going to get fired or lose pay. Yeah. And then just in that same scene, I was mentioning just a couple of minutes ago, one of my favorite scenes in the movie that perfectly sums up like I'm sure everybody has had this feeling either at a job that they hated or even at a job that they loved, just like working mm-hmm. where he, it's like his first day on the job and he gets this envelope. It's like a, you know, a, tr- a standard, you know, eight and a half by 11 envelope, like manila envelope. Yeah. And he, and he like reads the name on it. And then he's like the camera, it's like his perspective. He's looking at all the various mailboxes that are like an alf- alphabetized, you know, he's like, he's like, uh, you know, Naper, Nicker, Nope, Flirt. He's looking for like the specific name, and yeah. then inexplicably, as it's reve- as the camera rolls over it, 
the box he's looking for is just half the size of all of the other boxes. And then he looks at the envelope and it's like too big to fit in. But it says clearly on it, there's this huge stamp that says do not fold. And it was just like, it basically sets up kind of the tone of humor in the movie. He's just like, huh. It yeah. just kind of looks puzzled. <laughs> just like, it was just so perfect. Like the timing is, is great. And essentially the movie is about uh, the CEO of this company kills himself and the board of directors comes to find that if uh, the CEO has died, all the stock that he, because he's also the owner of the company, all the, all of his stock, yeah, majority shareholder, yeah. yeah, gets just divested into the market, um, yeah, and they'll lose control of the company. So they devise this scheme where they'll get some idiot to run the company to the to the point where they, he basically runs it into the ground where <coughs> stock is so stock, cheap yeah, that nobody to... wants it. So as soon as it hits the market, they can buy it all and then rebuild the company. Uh, and that's where. Uh, Tim Robbins character comes in. He is this like, you know, Midwestern or whatever kid who's just his first job out of school in this mailroom. And he is a buffoon basically. And they put him in charge of this company and hilarity ensues. Yeah. But I mean, there's, there's all sorts of nuances and, and interesting things about this movie. It's kind of hard to sum up. Yeah. But that's if, the basic idea. If you have seen a Coen Brothers movie, yeah. it feels so incredibly Coen Brothers. But like more so than even more recent Coen Brothers movies. Yeah. That's what I... But like if you've seen like Burn After Reading, for example, yeah. you know, not all their movies are the same. Right. But some of the ones that have that stylized, like about a series of increasingly, you know, like... Fuck, how to, how to sum it up? Like, No Country for Old Men was dark, but it was mm-hmm. a similar situation. It was like there's a number of moving parts and people that had different, you know, a bunch of shit kind of happening in parallel streams. Right. But it was terrifying. It was like the, f- I felt like one of the first ones they did that was like dark as fuck. But then if you look at like Burn After Reading, it still has like dark humor in it, but like it's comical. It's like a, a same thing, a bunch of parallel... People just trying to figure out what right. the fuck is going on from all these different angles. Mm-hmm. And it's just like basically mistakes compounded and just to becoming this mess. Right. But it's so extreme in this one. Like the... the well, so that's what was interesting to me is because normally you look at directors like... Uh, fuck, what's his name? Um, Guy Ritchie. The Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. Right? Like as his movies progress... You can see they've gotten more Wes Anderson-y. Yeah, he's you know he's like, found his he's found his voice, but and he's, and, and he's like perfecting it to the point yeah. where it's just like so unmistakably Wes Anderson. Sure, but that's why I found this movie so much more interesting. Is because like it's like more Hail Caesary than Hail Caesar. Right, they got to like peak Coen Brothers, <laughs> you know, and then like he pulled it back a bit. Yeah, yeah, which is like something you don't really see. Yeah, you know, but uh, yeah, that, and it's funny that you mentioned Hail Caesar because that's immediately what I thought of. I was like, this movie same is same kind of era though it, too. It's crazy like Hail Caesar, but even further over the top than Hail Caesar was. Yeah, another thing that I really liked about it, well, two other things I really liked about it is one, it immediately had this sort of classic Hollywood feel, mm-hmm. in that a lot of movies now I feel 
they work really hard to make you forget you're watching a movie. Right. But then there's certain, again, I'll call them because they maybe didn't have the technology or the techniques or movies hadn't been around that long. Mm-hmm. And it was different than live theater. A lot of old golden age Hollywood movies and movies that were, you know, I guess in the forties and fifties were like, you knew it was a movie. Like there was, you know what I mean? Like it was yeah. more theatrical and like very, and this immediately had that feeling just in the framing and the cinematography and the right. sound and everything. But then the other thing, I think that's why people like La La Land so much. I haven't oh, seen it yeah, yet. I can't wait to see that movie. I want to see it, but I feel like it has that same quality. Totally. Anyway. Yeah. That, that's also what I've heard. But then the other thing that kind of goes hand in hand with that, that um, I think we were talking about recently is how another uh, director that does this um, is uh, Shaun of the Dead guy, Edgar Wright. Okay. I think it's Edgar Wright. Am I, I'm brain farting. Anyway, I, I don't. guy that did Shaun of the Dead, there's this whole video on YouTube about using camera work and sort of physical gag com- comedy, but like using camera work and staging at, to factor as part of the comedy. And this movie has that as well, I feel. You know, it has that feeling like there's not a lot of... Uh, there's not there, there's not like a wasted sequence in this or or wasted shot like every shot makes you notice something or focus on something right. or the shot itself is comical. Yeah, I said you're right by the way. Something about it is like adds adds to it. It's not just there. They're not trying to disguise right that this is you know that this is a film at any point. Like a lot of times you're just like you know it's so obvious. Like an, an example very early on is when the blue letter comes down. Right. You know, and everybody panics and leaves. And there's just like the clip clopping of this guy walking down this yeah. impossibly long, vast mail room. Right. And there's just this framed by the light of the door at the end of the hallway. And it takes him like, for, you know, and then it shows his hand. And then like, even when he get like just gestures, like everything was exaggerated. And it's amazing. Right. It, it's one of these movies. And I think that scene kind of illustrates it the best is like, so someone gets to a, a room full of people, hustle and bustle. There's like 50 people running around doing their job and, and brings in a job that nobody wants to do. And as soon as they hear what it is, they're like, oh no, the blue there's envelope. Like, a, like, like, yeah, like lights and, going on. And then sure. all of a sudden everyone disappears. And the guy who brings in the blue envelope isn't like, hey, where's everybody? It's just like, you know, it, it's just par for the course. Yeah, it's it's very like, much a movie as opposed to, like it's not... Per- at no point does this ever pretend to be real life. Yeah. My, and, and it's great, though. It's, like, refreshing and watching my, it now, too. is like... One of my favorite things about this, and I... Um, like, it's pretty obvious, I guess, but it keeps happening, is... It starts off where he starts working at this company. He shows this guy a picture of a circle. And he's like, you know, I got this idea. It's perfect. You know, for kids. Yeah. <laughs> and... It's, it's so it's, good. It's literally just a circle. And everybody thinks he's an idiot. Yeah. And it ends up being a hula hoop and it's a huge success. Yeah. And this other guy comes into his office and, and just shows him another picture of a circle. And it's just like, you know, for drinks. <laughs> and it, it ends up, it's like a top down picture of a straw. <laughs> right. Or like a straw, a bendable straw. A bendable straw. Yeah. And then later on <laughs> in the movie is another picture of a circle the same circle every time and it ends up being a frisbee yeah it's fuck there's there's just layers in it though yeah because like the you know everybody thinks it's so moronic but the simplicity of the like it's brilliant well because 
it's one of the points in the movie where you as the viewer are having the same reaction as the person who's being shown yeah, the picture. Yeah, you desperately like, want to know what he means. You're what like, what is this? <laughs> you know, and they're they're thinking the same thing like, mm, yeah, okay, buddy. <laughs> you know, it's great. Uh, and I love, I mean, it's it does definitely, it feels like a recurring theme when the Coen brothers, they really, uh, stereotype isn't the right word, but like, the characters are so charactery. Fucking like, Paul Newman. Anyway, yo, totally, yeah. But like the 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 scene where the girl first walks into the cafe to talk to Tim Robbins, yeah, and yeah. there's the two cab drivers sitting there. Doing initially, like, doing like VO work. Yeah, and yeah. initially you just see these two guys sitting there that look miserable, and they're just talking about how they have gas for meeting at this shitty place every day. Yeah. And then the camera changes to this, like, see what they're seeing. And all of a sudden, it, like, seamlessly goes from them having a conversation to them narrating what's happening right. in this entire sequence of shots. And, I mean, frankly, I think the other reason I'm surprised I never heard of this movie is there's a lot in it that I would have imagined I would have learned about in school. Like, that would have been an example or that somebody I went to school with would have been like, oh, you should check this out. Yeah. Or at any point that, like, my love of film, you know, there's just, like, a lot of filmy stuff yeah. in this and it's like it's just it's i enjoyed it so much it was so funny and like it's just great and it it takes place over new year's at a point which is why oh, yeah. we watched it totally also the uh the godlike janitor guy yeah spoiler alert <laughs> he sticks the broom in the clock yeah and you discover this whole time like that's all that needed to happen to just like freeze all of time. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, normally I don't do this. And then that guy that was scraping off is like the devil basically. Like yeah. they have this like epic battle and you're just like, what? Like the last yeah. 10 minutes of that movie really, it's already crazy, but it goes like mythical. Like it goes like off the, it goes into this like fantastical and you're just like, what? Well, but the arc of that movie too is so confusing. Cause you'd think that a typical movie would be this guy Okay, he gets put put in the situation. He uh, has success as the CEO, like un. Um, but you, what what you would think would happen was he'd he'd be put in the situation. He'd fail at first, yeah, right, and then find success. And turns out he's a good CEO after all. The good yeah. guys win, the bad guys lose. End of story. Or he fit he wins and wins and wins then fails, but realizes that he didn't need that anyway, and he starts his own company making toys or something. Right. Yeah. But that's no, no, not no. what happens here. He, <laughs> Neither he, of those it, things. It's happen. a it's a roller coaster ride. Oh yeah. And then and then that one point where like everyone's like, oh, you're that guy. <laughs> it's it's so weird. But great. Yeah. Every every minute. Very enjoyable. A lot of great actors in this in this. Steve Buscemi is a cameo. We mentioned Tim Robbins, Jennifer Jason Lee, um, Paul Newman, Charles Dern, who's uh the uh, Durning, sorry, excuse me, who's the Big Lebowski in The Big Lebowski? Right, fuck, dude. I, when I saw him as the uh, as the CEO or the president, I was like, man, that guy looks familiar. Why does he look so familiar? What other Coen Brothers movie is he in? He's also in Old Brother Where Art Thou. What character is he playing in Old Brother Where Art Thou? I don't remember, but I just know that he is in Old Brother Where Art Thou. But uh, yeah. Uh, Fucking the dad from Frasier is in this. 
He's like, oh yeah, the the, the, boss. Ch- the editor. Yeah, the dude from uh, The Wire. Also, it, Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Oh yeah. And also, it was like co-written by Sam Raimi. Oh, I didn't even know that. It was like directed by. I always mix them up. Directed by Joel Cohen or whatever, and then it was like written by Joel Cohen, Ethan Cohen, or produced by Ethan Cohen. Or the switch of that, and then mm. it was like written by Joel, Joel Cohen, Ethan Cohen, and Sam Raimi, and I was like, "What? Oh, that explains Bruce Campbell." Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the dude from The Wire, who's uh, the elevator guy. Oh man, see, there's so many people I recognize, and I just like I don't know where he's from. Yeah, fucking uh, the te- who becomes the teacher. Yeah, in season th- season three. Yeah, yeah. Fucking what was that character's name? Why can't I remember? I, it starts with a P. It's like Polish sounding or something. I really don't remember at all. Oh, man. But anyhow, uh, would you say that you would recommend this movie? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, okay. I think we're we're in agreement here. Well, a movie that we may not be in agreement on, because I don't know your feelings on it, mm. is Are You Gotta Love It, New Year's Eve. Didn't love it. I'll be straight up. Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, couldn't, I mean... Look, I didn't find a lot of stuff to hate about it either, but it was just very fucking safe, blase. Like, you know, say what you will about the cast, the Mm -hmm. ensemble, so-called ensemble cast, some of which I already just didn't really like as actors, some of which I thought were okay actors. (laughs) Right. But like this movie reduced all of them to the most. So it's crazy, man. Like, I don't understand. Like, here's the thing. Oh man. I tell me what the thing is. Cause I'm first of all, let me just, just let me just list feelings. off. We have Michelle Pfeiffer, Zach Efron, um, Sophia Vergara. So yeah, Sophia Vergara, Robert Catherine, De Niro, Catherine Heigl, Ashton Kutcher, Halle Berry, Halle Berry, Common, Alyssa Milano, Ludacris, was he in this? Yeah. What? He's the cop. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Seth Meyers, Jessica Biel. Uh, the guy that played uh, Hugo Stieglitz in Inglorious Bastards, isn't yeah, it? I don't yeah. know that guy's name. Because that's literally the only movie I've seen him in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sarah Paulson, who's the girl from... Um, girl. The woman from uh, American Horror Story. Yeah. Is in this. Um, anyway, there's just a lot of people. Bon Jovi. Yeah. Bon Jovi. Oh, and what's her name from uh, um, uh, not forgetting Sarah Marshall. This is no knocked up. Catherine Heigl. Yeah. Oh, I already said Catherine. Did Heigl. you? Yeah. Yeah. Russell Peters. Yeah, Russell Peters as well. Canada's own Russell Peters. Hey, what kind of accent did his character have? I don't know, Indian? Yeah. Well, okay, so here's the thing. Because <laughs> in my notes here, I loved that Russell Peters was in this movie because he doesn't get a lot of love in the like local comedy slash acting scene. Mm-hmm. Um, see, the only note I have is Russell Peters. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Could you just showed me his notes? That literally is the only note. Uh oh, Jim Belushi. But anyway, uh, he doesn't get a lot of love in in like Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh fuck, Russell Peters is gonna be in this. He's gonna be so funny. And then, no, <laughs> it's like racist. 
Well, it's yeah. not racist because he's Indian, but like. Well, but it was. It's exactly the type of shit that I feel like normally in a stand-up, and in any but like in fucking Master of None, and in like Donald Glover, you know, like yeah, where they're like, yo, why you always got to typecast us as the super over the top, usually somewhat clueless, bound by our ethnicity character. And that's yeah. exactly what he played in this movie. It was kind of like, ooh, okay. But, yeah. Sort of undermining, you know, mm-hmm. you can't be hurting that much for money yeah. given your success, at least in Canada, that you need to take a small part as that character. Anyway, I don't know. It's not for me to say. Let but... me just continue on the list here. Josh Dumel. Yep. Joey McIntyre from uh, that boy band. Right. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, why can't I remember the name? Uh, Sean O'Brien. Do you know this guy? He's a, he's like one of those uh, that guy actors. You know? <laughs> you're like, oh, you this, <laughs> this fucking guy's been in all this shit. But like, you just see his face. You're like, oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> I mean, so he was in Olympus Has Fallen. Yes, man. Uh, Mission Impossible 3. Uh, let's see. Anyway, but we ran down already some pretty huge names. But but I I I just want to get on that like it just keeps going. Yeah, they really pulled out all the stops, as it were, to get all of these people on board so they could each have three minutes and fifty seconds of screen time playing out completely predictable and totally just. Robert De Niro's daughter is in this. Not as his daughter. She's just a waitress at the party. Um, anyway, I think the point is that uh, there was a lot of people in this movie. Hillary Swank is in this fucking right. movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, all I'm saying is they got a lot of stars in this film. <coughs> and they really could have used it to their advantage and they didn't at all yeah i mean it's by the same people who did uh valentine's Valentine's day Day. and they even is there a christmas one christmas day no but they show it like in the there's like an after credits joke or like during the credits like uh gag reel Mm. and um they like even they show valentine's day and all this stuff anyway not important it's kind of in the same vein as, you know, there's like a, I remember reading an interview, an article with the guy that wrote The Notebook. Okay. It was written along, it was in GQ, and it was like, basically, how do you continue to write these massively successful things that almost always get turned into films, essentially just like written for the screen without being screenplays? Right. And very formulaic and hit all the right notes. Very much the same as like you would say, you know, young adult fiction has also similarly, you can basically, it's almost interchangeable. You can pick. But I think the problem with this movie, Mm -hmm. so here's what I liked about it and what I didn't like about it. What I didn't like about it was I felt like, I mean, there were obviously multiple storylines in this film. Kind of. Well, they definitely were. So there was like uh, Zac Efron and um, Michelle Pfeiffer's storyline. And there was the De Niro storyline. There was... uh, Anyway, 
<clears throat> and they don't really come together. I mean, they they all end up at Times Square New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. But other than that, there's not a lot of overlap or relationship in them. Mm-hmm. But m- my problem was was that either have them interleave with one another kind of like magnolia-esque or something Mm -hmm. or just have them be separate movies yeah little vignettes like like coffee and cigarettes by jim jarmusch where it's all just like a series of shorts all put together even any of these any of these could have been their own like it didn't need to exist spliced in but this compilation (sighs) i mean i i wouldn't I wouldn't mind the, this movie hits like hits the all the marks like the junk. It's a junk food for cinema. Yeah. Right. And that I don't know. I like that Zac Efron was in this because I, I kind of like him. Yeah. It's but, funny picturing him in his high school musical days and then like thinking about a how fucking shredded he is now. But yeah. also the role, the types of roles he's taking. They're so, all so raunchy most of the time. This was very clearly an in-between period for him. Yeah, between High School Musical and the like, like neighbors sort slash of dirty grandpa. Yeah, he's like shit. comedy actor now. Yeah, and this was kind of in between, and you could tell that he wasn't really an actor. He's like Channing Tatum in this movie. You know, they're yeah. both really by whatever you know benchmark you want to use. These really good-looking shredded guys that mm-hmm. have been in these like romantic or like r- when they were young. And they're aware of how they look. Yeah. But they use that to their advantage in comedy movies. Yeah. The, the problem with his his performance in this... Like, one of the things that I liked, again, was that he was in this movie. But the problem with his performance in this movie was it's, it was very wooden. Like, you could tell that he was acting. Yeah. Which is, you know, not good. <laughs> right? Fair enough. Because, yeah. like... I, the best actors, it does. They shouldn't be acting. They should be. They should be that character. I mean, they should just be doing less, mm-hmm. right? You don't need to convince me that you're a bike messenger who loves to have a good time. Mm-hmm. I'll just pick up on that if you, you know, Sell are it. on your bike and you like to have a good time. It's you don't have to be like, whoa, I'm so crazy. What like what's where's up? the party tonight? What's up, ladies? What's yeah. up, ladies? What's up, ladies? Better get on my bike. What's yeah. up, ladies? Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, you mentioned Ludacris. I forgot that he was in this. We've been watching he a wasn't lot of fucking Ludacris movies lately. Totally. Let's keep it going. The Fast and Furious series? No, I'm sure we can figure... He's in Rock and Rolla. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, he wasn't his usual character in this movie, though. He was very subdued. Yeah. Which was like... Maybe that's what I liked. That it was like ref- a refreshing... Ludacris wasn't typecast as the mechanic slash straight man somehow in like a, i guess when you put him next to like jeremy piven or like anybody in <laughs> the furious yeah. who's gonna be the straight man but he wasn't exactly the you know straight what? man in uh fred claus though true but you know what is interesting to me that's an interest this is a small tangent yeah even the fact that he was in this movie if you listen to Ludacris's music yeah any of his music yeah I would argue that even in his most Fast and Furious-esque roles, he's not like Chris Ludacris Bridges Yeah. in movies versus Ludacris's music is like stark. There's a stark contrast. Would you say that he's funnier musically or what? No, like he just like, I almost like his music is 
you know, he's got a lot of party jams, but it's, again, I'm, I've been using this word a lot this episode for some reason, even though, like, the New Year's Eve, the stuff we watched wasn't raunchy. Yeah. His music is very, like, raunchy and aggressive and misogynistic and violent. You know, not yeah. violent like Eminem, but, but like, you know, it's, it's, he yeah, raps yeah. about, like, fucking people up because he's such a badass MC. Yeah. And, like, again, very explicit stuff. But then a lot of, like, he was in Fred Claus, first of all, which I don't care what kind of character you play in that movie. It's like a family, you know, yeah, there's yeah. sound effects. And then in this movie, <laughs> he plays, like, a cop. Yeah. Who is subdued. Right, right. And then in even the Fast and Furious movies, out of all of those characters, his character is, like, the one who's, like, the smart guy who is like the mechanic you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. he he's not tyrese tyrese is like what you would expect ludicrous to be he, in movies he, he's not playing the ludicrous character exactly movie, which is yeah. like kind of weird now that i'm actually thinking about it yeah based yeah. on this movie i'm like you know if you watch this movie and you don't listen to ludicrous which i had imagined there are a lot of people probably that do yeah you know man older, it's like ice cube though yeah in, but ice cube in, even had in, a period. without a paddle <laughs> Yeah, but he even had a period where he was in like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking. And anyway, my point is just like if you watched New Year's Eve and you're like, oh, that one guy that has a small role in this, he, like he seems like a, an upstanding nice guy. How come I don't see him in more movies? And then you like, you know, you looked him up and you're like, oh, he's a musician too. And then you listen to like fucking it, literally pick any song. Yeah. Move, I, I bitch, had a, get out the way. I had a big thing. Get out the way, bitch. Get out the way. When I was in high school. Oh, you're big. Luda fan? Oh, yeah. Dirty South? Oh, no. Fights out. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. Punch your lights, lights out. out. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we should put a ludicrous song at the end of this <laughs> Anyway. We, I played one in the in the Fred Claus episode. I played the ludicrous song from Fred Claus. No. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I even did. All right. Well. Uh, um, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, this movie wasn't good. There wasn't a lot to love about it. The only thing is... Why can't they it, make it, a it, good movie like this? It feels short, right? So, like... It's, like, two hours long, though. I know, but, it, like, because it's a bunch of... Vignettes, sto- kind Yeah, of, almost. That are all overlapped. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's, it doesn't feel long because... Each thing that you're seeing is actually just like two conversations, but because it's interspliced with all of these other conversations, it, yeah, it's movie length, yeah. right? Basically, basically, and and it's kind of fun. You're just kind of like, oh, who's gonna show up next? You know. Let me ask you this. But even my girlfriend was like, "This is not a good movie." What? So. Even your girlfriend? You're suggesting that this is a girlfriend type movie that girlfriends would just like this movie? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm. That's exactly what you're yeah, suggesting. Yeah, exactly that. Like the Notebook for is a good example of a movie that. I mean, I didn't mind it, but what's, like, what's your favorite good ensemble cast type movie? Ooh, do you have an answer? Well, I, think well, I have a mine. couple. Okay, maybe. Depends on. I mean, when I say ensemble, it's like it could be any type of. It doesn't have to be like but all d- super big name actors. But it could just okay, be- here's the thing: does it was it like intentionally made as an ensemble movie, or did it? turn out to be an ensemble movie because I could say Reservoir Dogs is my favorite ensemble movie but like yeah it kind of turned out to be one it they weren't really known at that time but now yeah. you look at them and you're like oh everyone no in this I would movie. say like I would say that the movies I'm thinking of the poster would emphasize the size the, of the, the, cast? the size of the cast 
The two that I can think of are Ocean's Eleven. Oh, that's a fucking good one. Yeah, and also This Is the End. Because This Is in the End may not seem so much like one, except when you consider that the success of all of the movies that brought all the people in that movie to that point in their career, Yeah, that the trailer for... I remember seeing the trailer for This Is the End, and that's fucking sick when it was like bow, 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 bow. And it was showing all those clips. And then at the yeah. end, it was just like, and it just like listed all of the, and I was just like, oh, fuck, this is going to be great. And then it was great. And then right. there was even more people that I didn't even know were going to be in it, in it very briefly. But ooh, I got a good one for you. But okay. first of all, before we get into what mine is, yes, this is the end is, is probably the best example <coughs> of an ensemble cast movie done right because it has like all the biggest comedy stars of our sort of era. Yeah. Right. And it, and it's, I mean, they're playing themselves. That was what I was going to say. That was like, if this movie had been like a Bon Jovi was just, he played a musician, but if it was just like, Oh, I liked Bon Jovi in the other one, actually. I thought he, that's, I meant to put that in my notes, actually. And it's funny that you mentioned that. I meant to put it in my notes. I, because I turned to Elise after the movie. You just got sidetracked by like, Russell Peters. Yeah. I was like, it's funny how the only good acting done in this movie was by somebody who's not an actor. <laughs> but anyway. Um, yeah, it was great how they all played themselves. But like they got to do basically whatever they wanted with that character or play up how people perceive them to be. By far the greatest performance of all time is Michael Sarah. Yeah, Michael Sarah was pretty great. But I also really like Danny McBride. Because oh, well, yeah. the thing with Danny McBride is like, again, obviously I've never met Danny McBride. But also James of, Franco. But anyway, go on. Every interview I've read with him or every interview I've read with somebody that knows, people are basically like, he is like the nicest, most like generous, you know, friendly dude. But he always plays fucking eastbound and down like he always plays just a fucking and convincingly and yeah. hilariously these huge fucking assholes dude he fuck he's hilarious i yeah. love him but in this movie he played that up to the extreme like he was yeah. like literally it was like them against he was like the most evil not the most evil but yeah. he was up there you know right and then, of course, Jonah Hill. Fuck, it was great. I want to rewatch that movie yeah. right now. I actually kind of do. James Franco just playing it. James Franco, where he's just like, yo, I painted you this. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what's funny is like, I, you, I mean, I don't know James Franco personally, but just like given the choices that he's made, like Palo Alto and all these other things that yeah. he's done, and that fucking movie where he was that rapper. Spring Breakers? Yeah. It's just like, I could see him just like, deciding one day that he wanted to paint a portrait of his friend just to hang in his house. Like that doesn't yeah. seem out of the ordinary. Hasn't he done? I thought he has done paintings though. I thought that no, was yeah. part of that joke. Oh, well, okay. He has done paintings, but I don't know if he's actually like <laughs> done portraits <laughs> of his friends <laughs> yeah. and put them in his house. <clears throat> so good. But yeah. So that, what, what's yours though? You ready for this one? It's another ludicrous movie. Okay. Wait, can I try to think about what it could be? Yeah. It's a ludicrous movie. Yeah. Like it's a ludicrous vehicle or ludicrous is in it? He's in it. Mm. You're not going to get it. Okay. It's Crash. Oh, true. See, okay. Here's the thing. Why do so many people hate that movie? Who hates it? I feel like almost everybody. People are always talking shit, especially this year. I've heard it come up often. Whoa. Yeah. Why? I don't know. 
I never did any research into it. I always just remember being like, I remember really liking that I movie. Mean, I, I own that movie. I've I haven't seen, seen it in a long time, but I remember really liking it. And now I'm looking it up. Sandra Bullock, Matt Dillon, Don Cheadle. Um, Brendan Fraser. Brendan right? Fraser. Thaddy Newton. Andy Newton. Uh, Ryan Phillippe. Terrence Howard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Terrence Howard is in it. Um, yeah. Fucking. Yeah. And then a bunch of that. Oh, Tony Danza. But then look at all these guys are guys you're like. Oh, Michael Pena. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know them. But like. This Michael. this guy especially like he's in oh yeah you know what all role, the things you know what role the character so Koji's showing me for the listener for you listening he's showing me a picture of William Fitchner Fickner okay uh the role I feel I will always remember the most of that guy and if it's not that guy I'm gonna be really embarrassed as a guy that looks a lot like him oh Keith David was in that movie too is in The Dark Knight when they're robbing the bank. And he's like the guy that has a shotgun under his desk. And he's just like when the Joker's robbing the bank at the beginning. And he's like, no, that's him. He's like, that's him. Don't you know who owns this bank? You and your friends are dead. And he's like the, the fucking guy holding. And then. Right. Oh, yeah. But he's been. Yeah, anyway, he's in a lot of shit. Um, but yeah, Crash. It's not one that immediately comes to mind as an ensemble cast movie. Mm. But I, I think that's a good example of a drama that can be done i mean i i also earlier mentioned magnolia which is pretty good as well but yeah even hail caesar kind of some of the more recent burn after reading coen brother movies it's or wes Anderson. you know like it's weird because like some of them i guess it's oh, a good wes point. anderson for sure because like wes anderson has a thing where he almost like he's got but it's more cameo than yeah well i don't know though because like big lebowski was crazy there was more cameo that was like Everybody, Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson, Ben Stiller, Gwyneth Paltrow, mm -hmm. fucking, I'm drawing a blank. There's way more people than that in that movie. I can't remember any of the, uh, or Life Aquatic, you know? Yeah. Like he, he doesn't really, it doesn't really, he doesn't really sell his movies as such, but they certainly feel that way. Fuck. There's a lot of good ones, actually. I'm looking Grand at- Grand Budapest Hotel. Like think about the cast in that movie. That one, it felt more like cameos because it really only focused on like- yeah, two or three characters, mm -hmm. but like there's so many. Tilda Swinton, yo, the Departed. Tilda Swinton is fucking. Oh yeah, fuck. Anyway, I think the point of of this entire list is that you can do it right. Yeah, it's... and these guys have not been doing it right. That are making these it, fucking it, like they spent all of the money on the cast, getting the cast together, and then it was just like, well, we're done here. Yeah, you know, no writing whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. ah, these people will be in this movie. We'll just write this so lazily. It, you know, it's, it, and it's funny. It's not really an ensemble thing, but I think I'm just like hitting a, we're hitting that sweet spot where there's a bunch of young actors that we came up or came up, well, we were watching them mm -hmm. that develop. And then there's old actors who are kind of going more into retirement and being in fewer and fewer things, but have the cachet. And then there's sort of a bunch of, actors whose careers are being resurrected or whatever in the middle, but we're at this spot where because of our age, like a movie will come out and you can just be like, Oh fuck. It has like the best of all worlds. You know, it's really yeah. easy to get excited about a movie right now because there, it feels like there's the, the largest amount of talent, but it's probably just because I've been paying attention longer yeah. and I'm an adult. We're, yeah. You know we're in I mean? a like, sweet spot where we know all the new actors, but can appreciate all the old ones. Yeah. yeah. And Whereas everything in between. Kid, you're like, 
Who's Paul Newman? Like even even the trailer for the new Guy Ritchie movie, the Arthur movie. What? The what? He's, his next movie is not Sherlock Holmes three. It's Arthur. Like the, the Legend of the Sword. Okay, we're gonna watch it after that. I'm not gonna talk about it anymore though. If you haven't seen it, watch that trailer. Get stoked. I think it looks pretty sweet. Um, but yeah, maybe that could even. Do, do you have a sp- specific recommendation? Because I didn't really think of one. To be honest with you. A specific recommendation for the yeah. week. No, I don't. I've got one. Okay. Surprise free album drop on the Jewels 3. Oh, fuck. fuck. Happened over the holidays. So I kind of robbed you there. That should have been yours. Because you've been like spreading the gospel of Run the Jewels lately. Well, as soon as it dropped, I like... I, it was send, Christmas send or whatever. I, I, I like emailed Andrew or um, messaged, messaged me Andrew. Like, have you heard like, this? Yo, have you not fucking heard this yet? Um, no, that's cool though because... I probably would wouldn't have even listened to any of their other music if you hadn't said, "Hey, listen to this." So the new one is very good, though. Oh, it's so good! It's amazing. I mean, two is pretty fucking good, though. Too. I like all of them, man. Like they're fucking consistent, and I like even on this one. There's a lyric. I'm not gonna remember exactly how it goes, but where Killer Mike is basically like, "Yo, we fucking told you, yeah, run the jewels one." And then that's the the first or second song. Yeah, he's just like, and then we told you, we told you again on the jewels too. How many times will we have to tell you? It's like people still not paying attention, so we're back a third time. I was just like, oh, it's that's true. That's yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's good. Should I recommend Meow the Jewels? I have actually haven't listened to it. I've listened to it a little bit. I don't like it as much as the other ones, but it's funny. And I was like, this is for those of you who don't know. It's Run the Jewels 2, right? Yeah. Remixed with uh, cat noises. Yeah. Which started as a joke, but is an actual, not cheap. Official release. V- official vinyl release that has like a with furry, furry cover. Hands. Furry hands on the cover. Also, if you don't know who Run the Jewels is somehow still at this point, which is why we're recommending it and why we're talking about how they themselves reference the almost the virality of their, their musical duo. It is the rapper Killer Mike, mm-hmm. who I believe is from... Atlanta, Georgia, or that area, and LP of definitive juxtaposition fame. Oh, you talked about them early on. Def Jux, the now yeah. defunct, amazing, I guess you could call it alternative hip-hop label. I don't know. That's a, that's a fucking whole other episode, but LP has done a lot of production work and has been rapping and just generally being just... Both of them have been killing it for a long time. And then Run the Jewels is their project that they started together and has been wildly successful. So if you haven't, even fucking, if you were following the American election, when Bernie Sanders was still in the race for the nomination, Mm -hmm. Killer Mike was like speaking at his rallies and Run the Jewels was like synonymous with, you know? So I'm sure you have heard, but if you haven't, check it out. Maybe we'll cue one up for you. Legend Has It or something? Yeah, Legend Has It is great. I love that song. All right. That's like, yeah. It's a good one. That is a good one. Hey, ki- hey kids. So I'm That's going to song, suggest uh, a movie that is not necessarily a hidden gem per se, but I feel like not a lot of people actually saw it. Rogue One? No. Okay. Because that would have been Which is false. interesting though, because I've heard a lot of people being like, "Yeah, it was okay. Or like, I didn't like it. And I'm like... Yeah, me too. We can do an how Are You Kidding this? Me next episode. How's that possible? Oh, yeah. You want to do it? Let, okay, we'll make it an Are You... Let's do a, du- let's do a double Are You Kidding Me. We'll yeah. get double the time. We each get yeah. two minutes. Yeah, because I've heard some shit. But anyway, 
Um, my recommendation is going to be The Magnificent Seven. The newest one. Yeah. Yeah. The but you know what? I'll I'll throw Antoine, it out. And I'll Antoine say, Fuqua. Yeah, yeah. I'll say see the newest Magnificent Seven, mm-hmm. or see the original Magnificent Seven, or if you're feeling fucking watch frisky, Samurai Seven. Yeah, watch Seven Samurai. I mean, Seven Samurai is three and a half hours long. I'm pretty sure, and somewhere in that in that vein. But I grew up on those movies, so my dad, uh, for those of you who don't know, is Japanese and um, raised me on. You know, Sanjiro, Yojimbo, Seven Samurai, all that stuff. So, you know, I immediately, a lot of people are like weird about movies based on things that they love the source material for. Mm -hmm. But he was never that way. And neither am I. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. This is like an alternate version of something that I already love. Right. Right. And it's not done poorly, especially the new one. I mean, no. I shouldn't say especially the new one. The old one is obviously not done poorly. Great Western. Yeah. But this new <clears> one, it's like for the next generation. It doesn't feel as much of a Western as, say, uh, you know, Open Range or uh, 310 to Yuma feels like a Western. Because that, that's like a classic. It, I mean, it's not a classic Western, but it's in the style True of grit. a classic Western. Right? Even, yeah. This is more like a blockbuster, blockbuster set yeah. in a western or whatever but i it was fun it was great yeah. Um, yeah, i saw it with my folks oh I you saw it yeah i saw it in theaters with my parents but a lot of people didn't i mean it came out right after uh tiff mm-hmm. it debuted at tiff and then came out but i, I don't think it was it's fun though I, I don't know i enjoyed it it wasn't like it didn't like blow me away but i definitely like had it was like uh you know like a pirates movie or the first Pirates movie, or the second one, maybe, you know? Like, I was like, I had fun with that. People don't talk about it, though. No. And I, I thought it was... It's because there's too much content nowadays, man. People are just overwhelmed. But the way the story... Instant graduate, they're just on to the next one. The way the story's told is, is... Like, spoiler alert, not everybody survives. You know? And I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. I like movies where it's not so cut and dry. The good guys win, the bad guys lose. End of story. Like Rogue One, you mean? Sort of, a little bit? Exactly like Rogue One. (laughs) But tragic heroes are like my favorite thing in the world. You know? Oh, shit. I love when... like. Do you like Man on Fire? Yeah. Uh, Antoine Fuqua also? Yeah. Or even weird ones like uh, 12 Monkeys, where, uh, you know... Not Brad Pitt. Um, fucking John McClane is like a, a crazy person. And uh, you're not sure what the fuck's going on. And you know that he's the hero of the movie. He's trying to do good, but like, yeah, Bruce Willis. But he, he, he just can't pull it off, you know? Or he does in the end, sort of. <laughs> kind of, maybe. Well, I've, I've, I've done fucking research on this movie. I have theories. I can... I have an idea of what happens there. But anyway, yeah, I, I'm a sucker for for heroes that that win the day, but and you don't get away tragedy. unscathed. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, another. Well, actually, it's kind of a happy ending. But I remember the Iron Giant when I was a kid. I was like, oh, what? I haven't seen that movie. What the fuck? Oh, I know. People love it. Like, yo, ferociously. That's love it. crazy that you haven't seen that movie. Are you kidding me? Okay, we got to wrap this up, though. This one's going long. And I he think. wants to be Superman or something. Dude. No, this is average length. We're about out of it. You have no idea. You got to watch that movie. It's fucking incredible.
Anyway, uh, check out Run the Jewels. Check out Magnificent Seven. Uh, check it out. In that, in those order, in that order. <laughs> check. Uh, check it out. Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody! January first, twenty seventeen. We did it. We made it out of twenty sixteen. <laughs> we did it. Uh, yeah. Until next week, where we will be looking at. Sorry, guys. The batteries died on me. But we'll be looking at Marvel as the You Gotta Love It. It's a comic. And the comic Bedlam as the hidden gem. Check it out. Hear what I say. We are the business today. Fuck shit is finished today. All T and J. Need a new PB and J. We dropped the classic today. We did a tablet of asses today. The joints with the matches and ashes away. We dash away. Donna and Dixon, the pistol is rattling away. Doctors of death. Feeling our patience of breath. We ought to pay you the trust. Fuck it, it work. Hooking up curses and slurs. Smoking my brain in a mush. I became famous for blaming you fuck. Maiming my way through the brush. There was no training or taming of me and my bra. Live like a man, but I'm animal raw. We are the murderous pair. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have powder to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. I'm in a rush to be numb, dropping a thousand ain't much Come from the clouds on a missile to turn this whole town into dust Don't make a sound, baby, hush I am the living swipe right on the mic, I'm a slut I don't know how to not spit like a loud I spill it proud of my kids on your couch Half of a mongrel and mythical team Dealing this treacherous thing Legend says L is a spawn out of hell The myth is my mama's a murderous queen Yo, I can in like in Godfather 1 You get the gun as I christen my son If I die today in this hell, I should pay Tell the Lord Mike, he said, fuck, it was fun Every new rack is my dick in a box We get a doozy, the mullahs a lot You're getting used to me doing no wrong I don't play chicken, you prick, I'm a fox You wanna kick it, I'll give you the rocks You kiss the wood chipper blade if you bark I'm fucking magic, in fact, I'm a warlock a talk I got a unicorn on for Stop Step into the spotlight